Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to receive support from VCU Massey Cancer Center. Massey Cancer Center wants you to imagine a future without cancer. All it takes is one, a revolutionary idea, a promising clinical trial, or a new breakthrough. See how Massey is developing new approaches to prevent and treat cancer for every person in every community. Learn more about this future for everyone at MasseyCancerCenter.org. I'm Kelly Lemon. And I'm Michael Paul Williams. And welcome to the After the Monuments podcast, where we look at events and news about race in a historical context and see how, too often, history repeats itself. Welcome once again to After the Monuments, a real talk about race. Kelly Lemon, Michael Paul Williams. Um, we have not been with you all in a minute. However, that doesn't mean that Michael Paul's columns don't stop. In this episode, we are going to do what we call like a, almost a breaking news about some of the things that are happening in our region um, that are having a national impact. Um, but you also can read more about um Michael Paul's opinion on these things in his column at um, for at Richmond.com um, and through the Richmond Times Dispatch. All right, so what is making really headlines right now? Um, and you know, when 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 Ben Crump comes into town, you know it's a serious thing. But unfortunately, um, at one of our mental health hospitals, um, Central Virginia, Central is it State. Central State? Um, Unfortunately, there was a death um, in the hands of um, not only some of the officers that were there, but also some um, staff members as well. Can we get into um, the details of what happened? Yeah, um, and you're right. When Ben Crump, Black America's Attorney General, mm -hmm. um, comes into town, it's not good news. This mm -mm. is not the national spotlight that... that Richmond metropolitan area should want, or yeah. any any metropolitan area. Um, this is a man who has been associated with um, some of the most high-profile cases yeah. um, involving um, police brutality. Um, what we had in this situation was a young man um, named Ivo in Otieno. Mm -hmm. He is um, an immigrant from Kenya, arrived mm -hmm. in the United States at age of four, um, an aspiring um, hip-hop artist. Um, um, who, from evidence I see on social media, was somewhat beloved mm -hmm. um, uh, in the community. Mm -hmm. and um, But who sadly, um, like many people, had mental health challenges yeah. um, dating back to when he was in high school. Um, he was having a crisis. This is, these accounts are from his, um, his family, his mother, um, and the lawyers who are representing the family. Mm -hmm. um, he was having a mental health crisis um, um, one day that um, uh, precipitated um, some sort of what was alleged to be a burglary, um, but apparently involved him taking some light fixtures from his neighbor from a neighbor's yard. Um, the family thought that had been squashed. Um, you know, he's having he's in distress. He's having a mental health moment, but. Um, I believe it was the next day, um, or subsequently police, lots of police arrived in his home. And mm -hmm. this is kind of the first thing. You got from the telling of the lawyers and family, 10 to 12 police officers arriving over this alleged burglary, mm -hmm. which seems like a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're talking and, light fixtures, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems like a lot. Mm -hmm. um, he's, um, he ends up 
he lands in Henrico Doctors Hospital, and, um, according to the narrative that was offered at a news conference. Um, he's taken from Hen um, Henrico Doctors Hospital to the Henrico County Jail, which is right up Parham Road. Mm -hmm. um, according to the lawyers, he was in uh, a cell um, naked um, um, with feces. Um, that, that things were not great at the jail, mm -hmm. even before he was removed from the jail and, and taken to Central State. As Ben Crump said, um, his mental health issues did not, did not get, were not improved by him going from the hospital to the jail. Yeah. So they're taking him to Central State, and by now, you know, we've, we've seen at least portions of the video. Mm -hmm. um, the family saw mm -hmm. the video first, and mm -hmm. the lawyers. We hadn't seen it at the news conference um, last week. And um, you see him, um, and he's in handcuffed and in, in, in shackles, leg leg irons. And you kind of, um, you know, it, it appears like he kind of, you know, he's in and he's in the custody of all these Henrico County deputies, and there are also a bunch of Central State workers in the room. Mm -hmm. And he ends up being, you know, pushed down to the floor, face down. And what is that? <clears throat> end up reminding you of yeah. just George Floyd all over all again. All over again, um, yeah. Um, they, they're, they're apparently was a knee to the neck, as described by the lawyer. You, you, you can't really see anything. If you look at the video, it's hard to make out anything because there's like seven bodies yeah. covering him uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as he's on the floor. Yeah. And um, Ivo's a big man, mm -hmm. but still, you, you know, I, and I've gotten some pushback. Um, on this from at least one emailer um, who's talking about the threat that mental health workers face in, mm -hmm. in dealing with people in crises. But, I mean, if you're in shackles and, 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 and handcuffed, um, how much restraint does, does Do it they take? Need, where, yeah. where is he going to go yeah, in, yeah. in shackles and handcuffs? Yeah. Um, he's at the hospital at this yeah. point. I would hope they could do something besides just press him to the floor um, and put a knee on his neck until he's as asphyxiated mm -hmm. um, per um, the Dinwiddie uh, County Commonwealth Attorney, mm -hmm. who is prosecuting this case and, and has accused uh, the seven deputies and three um, hospital workers of second-degree murder. Um, it, it just seems, it, again, like overkill, literally overkill. Mm. And again, kind of calls into question um, the effectiveness of police in confronting mental health issues. Yeah. Now, we know this in Richmond all too well from the case of Marcus David Peters, yeah. um, a young man who also appeared to be in mental health crisis along Interstate 95 in Richmond when he was um, shot, shot and, and killed, and killed mm -hmm. uh, by a Richmond police officer while, he, while um, Peters was naked along the highway, clearly from, if you see the video, in yeah. some sort of distress, yeah. acting out. But he was, he was shot and killed after the taser that was deployed did not stop him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, the, and we named the circle here. He, the Marcus David Peter's Peter circle, circle became yeah. the new name for the Robert E. Lee circle yeah. during the um, 2020 social justice protest. Yeah. He became the symbol here. Yeah. And now in the Richmond area, we have that again. And he was also an alert. Like we we put yeah, the we, Marcus yeah, Davis. Yeah, we created a, an alert. Yeah. that was is designed to kind of um, facilitate more and more um, of a kind of 
um, for mental health professionals to be on yeah, the scene yeah, before yeah. Thank law enforcement. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, um, it must be said that Marcus David Peters' sister, Princess mm -hmm. Blanding, who became an activist on his behalf and, and, and later ran for governor, mm -hmm. was not particularly happy with the legislation, called yeah. it ineffective. Yeah. Uh, but we've got to find a way to put resources and effective solutions to this problem. Because I'm sick of, I mean, going yeah. back to when um, Cray Deeds, the this, this, this state senator, mm -hmm. when he was attacked by his son, um, I mean, even dating back to Virginia Tech massacre, mm -hmm. just, we, it just seems like mental health, we've been talking about mental health for a long time, but mm -hmm. I don't see a whole lot of progress. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to mental health. And again, as you said, Marcus David Peters was naked. Yes. Although he, he was a threat to himself by going on this interstate, but he died by a police officer. Yeah. Once again, the same instance where this young man was in constraint at the mental health facility, yeah. but still they felt that they need to, they had to be a Like, if he got up and just ran around and just wore himself out. Yeah, yeah. I just, that I would have been so much better than death. I don't understand. I mean, the application of what clearly appears to be, I mean, you know, the cause of death has been, at least preliminarily, been ruled as asphyxia. Mm -hmm. um, that's deadly force that was applied there. Yeah. Um, you know, after George Floyd, any law enforcement official who puts a knee on the neck of anyone, I mean, how does that happen? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it just, it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with this case um, as we. As we are really, truly, as Virginians, watching this un unfold, I don't know. Here, okay. And here, here's another aspect of this: um, most of the officers involved appear to be African American. Yes. And like in Memphis with yes. Tyree Nichols. Yes. Um, so we have this 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 situation where. We would call the institution law enforcement inherently racist yeah. um, based on its history, based on how it continues to interact with citizens, based on the, the wildly varying in outcomes mm -hmm. of people who, who, who deal with the system. Mm -hmm. um, when people see black actors killing black people, they argue that, well, this, in, in some bizarre way, that this proves the system isn't racist. You know, why are you making this a race issue? Well, no, it, it's, racism is institutionalized. Yeah. Yeah. You know, racist institutions aren't immediately cured by the presence of black people yeah. within them. Yeah, yeah. Um, black people within those institutions, as often as that, get subsumed into the institutionalized racism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, having said all that, you know, yeah, we have you know, a race problem here, but we also have a failure because I've, I've written about white mental health patients who've been dealt with in the same, in, 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 in the same way in okay. which they needed help and got something different. Okay. So it's, you know, people argue there are racial disparities here. I haven't seen the numbers, but it's certainly a mental health problem. Um, regardless of race, yeah. um, that is not being dealt with effectively in America. Yeah. Um, 
from the way we deal with mentally ill people and the way society kind of disposes of them. The, the jails become the catch mm-hmm, the catch all mm-hmm, for them, mm-hmm. or they're in the streets. Mm-hmm. And America's got to find a way to compassionately and effectively deal with mental health problems with resource-driven solutions rather mm-hmm. than just using mental health as some sort of excuse Use, yeah, yeah. Um, whenever a crime occurs um, to deflect from the gun issue. Mm-hmm. After the monuments, a real talk about race, Kelly Lemon, Michael Paul Williams, we are talking about the things that uh, Michael Paul has written recently within his columns, um, and everything seems to be coming back. Like, you know, like we've had a mental health expert on um, and, you know, this issue is still going on. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll bring another mental health um, expert back on so we can dig deeper into this. Um, But another thing we've talked about already and it keeps coming back up is education Mm -hmm. and the different school systems that we have here in the state of Virginia and how they're handling things. Um, One of our very vocal school systems is Hanover County. Um, And right now, um, what's happening is that, um, you know, they had some schools named after Confederate um, generals, and those schools' names have been removed. You had a middle school and a high school. You had Stonewall Jackson Middle School and Lee Davis High School. Which were right beside each other um, in Mechanicsville, and now they are named Mechanicsville Mechanicsville High School. High and... um, and um, what's the, the name of the creek? Um, Bell Creek. Okay, middle, middle school. school. And Hanover School System, and, and, and you briefed me on this a little bit, had decided that all new schools will not have, will not be named after people yeah. any longer. Yeah, that's a two-decade-old policy that when we build a new school, we're not going to name it for a person. Okay, and now we um, have an historically black school yeah. that is under question. Tell yeah. us about it. Um. We have a school in a town called Ashland in Hanover County that's named for John M. Gandy, um, a black educator who um, was the president of historically black Virginia State College for several decades Mm -hmm. um, in the early 20th century, early to mid 20th century. Um, So uh, a preeminent educator. Um, The school, Gandy was named for him. When Gandy was opened, uh, in the 1950s, um, um, it was the only school. It was the first time that black students in Hanover had a school with um, running wa- with running water, mm. you know, bathroom indoor bathroom facilities, and central heat. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a K through 12 school, so black students throughout Hanover, which is not, as you know, a small county, it's not. had to bypass white schools to get to John M. Gandy for their education until um, desegregation really took hold in the late 1960s. This was the case. Um, It's not even 100 years old. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so um, Lee Davis was built during massive resistance Mm -hmm. um, as an all-white school. Um, Stonewall Jackson was opened um, in the late 60s, maybe early 1970s, mm-hmm. um, when resistance to busing to obtain school integration was at its peak. Um, during our moment of racial reckoning after the murder of George Floyd in 2020, the Hanover School Board um, narrowly decided 
to remove the names of the Confederates from the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, this has um, created some hard feelings that linger, including among some of the elected officials in Hanover. Um, so now we have Gandhi, um, which is um, part of a consolidation of two elementary schools in Ashland to build one new school that would house both at Henry Clay, mm-hmm. named for um, a congressman um, in America, a very prominent and historically um, revered congressman um, during the 19th century, um, and who was born in Hanover, mm-hmm. and Mr. Gandhi. Mm-hmm. So these, this new school would be built, this new building would be built on the property of Gandhi, and there seemed to be a consensus dating back to 2018 that the new school would be called John M. Gandhi School after people cited its historical importance as, A, the only school named for a black person in Hanover, and the, the, the school where the only school for a, a moment in time that black people in Hanover could attend. Mm. Um, but new actors have come on the school board, mm-hmm. and now we have this kind of about face where the school that was identified in architectural renderings and in, in constantly in the new superintendent's plans as John, the new John M. Gandhi School is now um, apparently not going to be named for Gandhi if this board has its way and the board has the votes. Mm. Um, their, their thought is, if you're going to take down the yeah, names it, of the oppressor, yeah. you cannot name the school after the oppressed. It, it, it's, not <laughs> even a, it's not even a thought. It's been vocalized that if, you, if we can't have John, if we can't have Lee Davis and Stonewall Jackson, how do you get to keep um, John and Gandhi? Mm. It, it, they're saying it's, it's not fair. Now, um, all this is happening within a context in Virginia, um, not unlike places like Florida, where... Black history is under attack in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, and now, black history is under attack in Hanover, not just in the classroom, but in just the telling, um, of, uh, the naming of this school, which is part of a um, place that's on the National Register of Historic Places in the Virginia Historic Register, mm. named Berkeley, Berkeley Town, mm-hmm. um, which was the black community in Ashland because segregation laws did not permit black people to live in neighborhoods occupied predominantly by white people. Mm. Um, it was not even part of the city. Yeah. But black people built this independent, self-sustaining town, like right outside the city limits, his community, not even a town. Um, and John M. Gandy was part of that. Yeah. And it's a rich part of Hanover's history and Ashland's history. The um, Berkeley town has since been ab- absorbed into Ashland, mm-hmm. and people in Ashland are aware of this history. And um, I think, from my gleaning of it, people in Ashland, for the majority of them, or the people who um, are, are elected, if they had their druthers, would, would keep the Gandhi name, and they recognize the history of it. But actors from outside of um, town in Hanover are kind of imposing their will and saying, rules are rules, and interpreting this as a school, a brand new school that never had a name before. Um, as opposed to a rebuild in a consolidation. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I think we're certainly in a situation with Ron DeSantis at work in Florida and, and Glenn Youngkin at work in Virginia where we can't afford any erasure of black history. Yeah. Hanoverians, black and white in Virginia, need to know the story of John Gandhi and need to know that black kids could not attend 
those schools named for Confederates yeah. or, or that school named for Confederates when it opened, Lee Davis. Yeah. And had to be bused from all across the county to attend this one black school, which happened to be the first school with heat and plumbing. Um, and when we say bus, I mean it could actually be like a thirty-minute trip yes. for some of these. Yes. For some of these. Yes, these things happen, and they're an important part of history. And we need those. You know, we need that reminder um, of a history that has been, you know, either erased or, or largely tamped down. So you know, it's important in that regard. Yeah. Um, it's important to the graduates of Gandhi. Yeah. Um, and it's important that we not get caught up in the false equivalencies. Um, the names of Lee Davis and Stonewall Jackson were not removed because of this rule that was enacted in 2000. They were removed because they are offensive. Mm -hmm. That that mm. that actors who committed treason against mm -hmm. the U.S. government to perpetuate enslavement were not worthy of a place of honor. Yeah. Um, and uh, a nation that can't agree on that is open to more treason, more secession, and 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 more insurrection. And we have seen that. Mm -hmm. And that threat very much lives with us. After the monuments, we'll talk about race, Michael Paul Williams, Kelly Lemon. Let's go down south a little further on this same topic, though. Uh, <laughs> we're going to head down to the state of Georgia. Um, and in a reversed way, let's talk about what's happening with Buckhead um, and the city of Atlanta mm -hmm. um, and how their governor is responding to mm -hmm. what they're trying to do. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, Buckhead, for people who visit Atlanta, they know this, mm -hmm. but Buckhead is a affluent, um, predominantly white um, neighborhood in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, very Tony, high-end. Um, and it has become part of a secessionist movement to um, separate Buckhead from Atlanta. Now, you know, one of the reasons cited is, of course, that um, the usual bugaboo, crime. Mm -hmm. Now, how exactly um, um, removing Buckhead from the city of Atlanta, because it's now part of the city, and even if it were removed somehow, it'd be Atlanta adjacent. How exactly... Um, the secessionist movement would stop or reduce crime mm -hmm. um, that happens in Buck Buckhead is, is unclear to me, unless you're going to build like a Berlin Wall <laughs> 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 to mm. keep criminals out of Buckhead. Yeah. But, but this, is a, this, is, um, this is a thing. And um, it, 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 it chewed up a lot of energy um, in the Georgia legislature. Um, and that effort appears to have stalled um, and it was driven by actors outside of Atlanta in the Atlanta metropolitan area. Mm. And But even um, the very Republican governor of Atlanta, Governor Kemp, um, looked askance at it, saying it was basically ill thought out, could have unintended consequences. Um, we're talking about Atlanta, yeah. one of the most prominent cities in America, um, uh, an economic and transportation hub, just... Uh, it's the economic engine of, Atlanta, of, of the state of Georgia, yeah. and, and tinkering around with that without much thought. Um, you know, no one really seemed to figure out how. Okay, Atlanta, and, and you know, Buckhead's part of Atlanta. Their tax issues, their 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 debt debt issues, there are all sorts of things going on. Educate, 
education? How do you how do you figure all that out? Mm. Um, and create a and, whole and, other city. Yeah. I mean, like that's literally what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. Create a whole other city. Yeah, yeah. It just it's just. I mean, it, there's a history of wealth being extracted from urban areas um, once they become black run. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. We, we saw that in Richmond mm-hmm. um, uh, when when Richmond became a, a predominantly black city with a predominantly black city council. Um, um, the wealth fled the city. Yeah, wealth is now returning to the city. These are this is something else that's kind of weird about this. What they're doing in Buckhead kind of defies American urban patterns, where um, young white residents are populating or repopulating cities. Um, that were majority black to the point where some of these cities aren't majority black anymore. Case mm-hmm. in point, um, Richmond, which mm-hmm. has a very slender black plurality last I looked that yeah. may not even exist now. Yeah. Um, the wealth is returning to cities. Mm-hmm. Um, um, black political actors, and I get this from people or a person much smarter than I am, when they returned, uh, when they took office, saw wealth leaving the city and enacted policy to bring wealth back. I mean, Maynard Jackson was about as pro-business as a mayor got in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing, we've seen renaissances, urban renaissances in cities in America, all over America. We've seen gentrification, which certainly has its downsides, and that is drowned, driving people who are relatively impoverished out of these cities. But we are seeing wealth return to cities. Yeah. Um, to remove Buckhead um, in the face of these trends in Atlanta is kind of a head-scratcher, um, but it's the moment we're in in American politics. Yeah. Do you think this is going to go anywhere? I mean, it's just, I it, just, it, it, it was just this noise, and this, did this wake up, you know, Atlanta a little bit on, you know, what the neighboring, you know, areas are thinking about the, because when I think of Atlanta, I think rich black, you know, and like, even when we had this conversation before, you know, I still thought Buckhead was black, no. but you know, like, again, because that's what I think of when I think about Atlanta. No. Buckhead, um, uh, uh, the percentage of black people in Buckhead is um, recalling off the top, isn't the teens? Mm. It, it, it is. It is. Yeah, it is a wealthy area that, unlike the rest of Atlanta, is predominantly white. Um, certainly, black people live in Buckhead. They've expressed mm-hmm. their concerns about mm-hmm. what this might mean. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it would eliminate mass trans, their access to MARTA, um, the mass transit system mm-hmm. um, in so. Atlanta, um, because access is very much tied to um, um, city-suburb divides and, and racism and a desire to keep the other out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my understanding of MARTA, which people jokingly refer to as moving Africans rapidly through Atlanta, wow. is that it's a, <laughs> 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 wow. Is wow, that wow, a system wow. that largely serves um, black people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... I don't. I hope it's not a trend. It, you know, it because it's complicated. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you extract. Um, I mean, we in Virginia. Um, once black people started gaining uh, political traction and electoral uh, and voting power, the state of Virginia imposed a moratorium on annexation of suburban areas. Mm. Um, that still stands. Mm-hmm. 
So um, we have the opposite is in, in effect. Cities in Virginia cannot absorb counties. So, you know, what happens if suddenly chunks of cities decide that they want to <laughs> leave the city? Yeah. I mean, it, I think it, it's, um, it's a, um, you know, it will lead to disarray. Mm -hmm. And I think people who, you know, I know here in Richmond, people who live in, in the city, and including relatively wealthy um, white people, are there by choice because they like city living. They like the amenities of urban living. Yeah. Um, I don't foresee it becoming a trend, but there are lots of things I haven't foreseen. Mm -hmm. <sighs> After the monuments, real talk about race, Kelly Lemon, Michael Paul Williams. Our last little bit is more of a celebration and a congratulations. Um, Virginia has finally <laughs> elected its first black woman to Congress, our friend Jennifer McClellan. There will, it became popular maybe after the election of Barack Obama or maybe even before to say, well, you know, we need to get over this first. Yeah. You know, black first, black first, you know. It's, I think that's crazy. Mm -hmm. I think we are very much in a moment of retrenchment. Mm-hmm. where um, the rights we think we won on all sorts of issues are on very tenuous ground. So it's important to celebrate our first, yes. in, including the election of um, the first African-American woman to Congress from Virginia. Um, yes, it's a Democrat-friendly district, but it's still a major thing. But yeah. Women are still extremely underrepresented in virtually all aspects of political life. Mm -hmm. um, black women are arguably the most loyal constituent and driver of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, so we need to recognize this. This, mm -hmm. is, this, is, this is a tremendous achievement. Um, and when women's rights, when women's reproductive rights are under assault, um, for sure, it's important that women be at the table so that a group of men aren't making decisions about their lives and about what they can do with their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm quick to say that everything happens for a reason. And we did have um, Jen, Jen on the show um, and we had technical issues. But all of the things that she discussed while she was a state senator she is literally still taken to her in the seat in Congress. And so um, as we end this episode of After the Monuments, um, we are hoping to get Jen back on um, yeah. so she can share her story and we can congratulate her. And, on, and also, and, I mean, she, she put in a lot of hard work over a lot of years in, in Virginia General Assembly, and yeah. I, I want to hear how hard things are going in Washington. Yes. It's yes. a different kind of thing. Different but it's kind still, of thing. It's still, you still got to put in that work. Yeah. And she also got a lot of criticism from, from unfortunately, black folks, you know, saying, was she black enough? You know, like, that's the part that, that hurt me. But I know Jen, and I know Jen's heart. And so she addresses that part, too. And so hopefully within these next coming weeks, um, as we revisit all of the things that we've talked about in the past, and, again, this show was about how these things were happening when before the monuments came up and how they're still continuing once the monuments came down. 
Don't forget to read Michael Paul Williams' columns at richmond.com. All you got to do is search for those columns. And if you are in this area, make sure you pick up the Richmond Times Dispatch and read those as well. So thank you, Michael Paul. All right, thank you. That concludes this episode of After the Monuments, a real talk about race. Michael Paul Williams, Kelly Lemon, we'll talk to you guys next time. After the Monuments is a Virginia Video Network production and produced by Matt Pacilli, Michael Paul Williams, and me, Kelly Lemon. Technical direction and editing from Bill Barksdale. Executive production from Paul Farrell, Diane Salvatore, and Paige Mudd. Will Royer provides studio support. Our artwork is by Krishna Mathis. I'm Kelly Lemon, and we'll see you next week on After the Monuments. Huge thanks to Massey Cancer Center for being our After the Monuments sponsor.